called to mission the theme of this year's Diocese of Bismarck 2019 Thirst Eucharistic Conference live from the Bismarck Event Center. I am telling you, this man next to me, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, is called to mission and he is responding to that call loudly and dynamically and in a very powerful way. Deacon, I, I don't want to neglect uh, your first breakout session, uh, Go and Make Disciples, The Call to Evangelization. That's at 1.45 today here at the Bismarck Event Center. Your second one, though, is a little bit more applicable to my life, and so I'm going to be a little bit selfish. I, I do make the money on this radio to do that. I, I do have the power and authority to make that call <laughs> and, and the salary I am paid, which is nothing, just grace and merit, hopefully. Uh, your second breakout, though, Deacon, Preparing Souls for Heaven, The Role and Responsibility of Catholic Parents. I want to hear yes, about this. Yes. So can I can I get a cliff notes right now? Yeah. Can you so, stand and shout too? So so here's the thing. Obviously, um, it was families were so important that uh, when God wanted to save us, He did it through a family, mother, father, children, right? And so why? Because the family on earth is the image and likeness of the family in heaven. You know, the, the, the love between the Father and Son is so powerful and so real that it gives life to a third, the Holy Spirit, who gives life in, back in that beautiful circumcision, right, or divine perichoresis, that relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within themselves. And so the family on earth reflects that same reality, I mean, reflection. It's not obviously, you know, but... And so we have to see, especially today, with all the challenges to the family, so much pressure on family life today. What can we do to really strengthen parents uh, so they can become witnesses of the of the power of God's love to their children. Because here's the problem: we've outsourced our responsibility of teaching our children the faith. You know, you know, our, what parents do now is they get their kids mm. to to practice, to, to play practice, to football practice, whatever. And then, oh, as far as their faith, well, father will do it. Catholic schools will do it. Youth group will do it. Confirmation class will do it. Now, those things are necessary and important, but they're supposed to be uh, supplementing what's supposed to be happening at home. Because the home is the place where children first learn to fall in love with Christ. So what happens is this. The children go to school. They're learning all this stuff about Jesus and in their head. And they come home and they don't see the faith being lived out. No, they don't pray at home. Maybe dad stays home and watches the game while mom takes the kids to church. What's that, what are those messages saying to the kids? Wow, I'm learning all this stuff, but it's really not meaningful to my parents. So you know what? I'm going to treat this faith like math, English, science, language, arts, religion class. Just another thing I have to learn to get a grade. And then when I get out of here, I can forget all about just like I'm going to forget about algebra. You know, that, that's the problem. And now, the, <laughs> along with that, though, the parents aren't catechized themselves. So you can't give what you don't have. A father, you said, Deacon, give me $20. I ain't got no $20 to give you. <laughs> so I can't give you what I don't have myself. So how can we expect parents to, to, to uh, hand down the faith, traditio, right? That's what, the, the, the tradition. How we expect to hand down what they have not received themselves? You know, so we have to also empower parents so that they can become better witnesses of the, the love of Christ. So they can, kids can see that the family, what St. John Paul II called the domestic church, the church of the home, because that's where you learn to fall in love. So you get the head knowledge and the heart knowledge, and now they're able to have the complete package. You know, Deacon, you just said, I think, what is one of the most important but perennial truths of our faith, um, which should, should load the hearts of especially husbands and wives. I, I put it in this context that when God the Creator, when God our Father, in the beginning, wanted to show us something and touch and see and hear and smell something of His love, 
He created one man and one woman. He didn't create a church. Mm-hmm. He didn't create a religion. He didn't create priests. He didn't create sisters. He created a husband and wife. And then they had children. I think that is the most influential, that should be the most influential truth of at least our Old Testament faith. I think that that, that needs to guide it, and you're, you're getting to that. You, you spoke of something right away, though, about these influences and the burdens. You said burdens, I think. Give us a couple. Give us one, two, three of you think which is really impacting families right now. That makes it, what is the wall they're trying to jump over and making what you say happen? Well, the, the redefinition of marriage. I mean, because so many kids will, you know, I agree on abortion. I agree euthanasia. I get, but the marriage thing, why, why is the church so unloving? Why does the church hate gay people? Why is the church, I mean, so, so they're getting some of it, but when it comes to this relationship piece, they're totally not getting it at all. Which, because none of that's true. I mean, it's it's like little I, snippets, right. right? Yeah, right. But 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 they're but they're fault. They're, they're listening to the voice of the culture. Why? Because we're not preaching on this. We're we're afraid to talk about this stuff with the kids. You know, we're we're afraid, uh, you know, uh, to even bring these kind of difficult, quote unquote, difficult topics up for them. But they have to see it through the lens of what is God's plan for us. What is a proper theology of the body? That the body's just not um, uh, an instrument. It's a body we reflect God's love and God's vision for us is reflected through our bodies. So, so the way we use our bodies actually does matter, you know. Um, and so I'm not afraid to talk about those kinds of things with, with young people or at high schools. You know, it's, it's not about being popular for me. Um, it's about you know, witnessing to the beauty of the truth and even planting some seeds for them. You know, so they'll see a faith begin to grow in their hearts. At least they're hearing and understanding. I'll give you an example. I spoke at a parish on marriage, and several people walked out during the homily. Although there's a truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, but the high school kids afterwards said, finally someone's talking about this. Finally I can go back to my kids in my class and actually have a discussion with them about this instead of them being angry at me all the time because, or me just kind of caving in because I don't know what the church actually says about this. No, D- so. Deacon, do you, do you, what do you think about the disconnectedness? Do you, I mean, do you think I have one you see right here. I use it all the time. I'm probably just as connected. But can you talk to us about these things we call devices? What is that doing? Do, do you think? I mean, do you kind of like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'll, I'll, I'll approach that in a couple of years. Or no. do you think it is impactful? Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, phones and devices, they're tools. They're not our life. Um, but for so many young people, they can't even look each other in the eye. They can't even shake your hand. They can't even communicate. Um, young teenage boys and girls, they, 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 they can't relate to each other because they, they can't look at the body language. They don't, they don't understand verbal cues because they're doing everything by text. They're doing everything by phone. Um, and I encourage young people, put the phone down, go listen to Jesus in adoration. And I tell them, I promise you, your hand will not fall off. If it's separated from your phone for an hour while you're in adoration, I think it does. Yeah, some people believe that. I think I think they think they're gonna fall. I mean, I can't text for an hour. Ah, you know, look, look, just go there because when Jesus speaks to you, Jesus speaks to you in the heart, right? Um, and in order to hear that voice, you have to be quiet. That's why Psalm 46 verse 11 says, "Be still and know that I am God." Although the word "know" there in Hebrew is "yada," it means knowledge that's gained by experience. So you could translate that: "Be still and experience God." in the stillness, in the silence, in the quiet, without the phone, without the device. Um, now, I have them, but I don't look at my phone every five minutes. In fact, I, I say this. If you ever take me out to dinner, D, I want to go to D, okay, let's go, and you take out your phone and put it on the table, I guarantee you I'm getting up and walking away from you. I'm glad you told me that. No, seriously. If no, we have dinner, why? I'm glad you because, told me because that. Because what you're saying to me is whatever uh-huh. happens on that phone is more important than you being with me right now. And then this don't help. Turn it over. That don't help. Don't take the phone. If you're going to be with me, then be with me. 
Forget the stupid phone. I mean, if you cannot be without your phone and look at your phone every five minutes, there's something wrong with you. That's you know what that's called? Addiction. You've got a problem. I don't. I don't want to confess this online. I, my phone is on the table right now, Deacon. But I. No, we're not. I know. I know. He's he's he, he's lightly judging me. It's okay, and I understand. <laughs> no, I am slowly, without anybody knowing, putting it in my pocket right now. No, but listeners don't know no that. Oh, father. <laughs> uh, talk to us. So, the role and responsibility. What what can the church do? So something like this. Let's be really practical. Something like the Thirst Conference, Deacon. What can what can that give to parents? In supporting and and providing for their role and responsibility, right? Because we, I mean, we, we don't. I know you're not going to. I've heard you speak for. You're not going to cut them down and tell them everything they're doing wrong. You're going to yeah. give them everything you can, all yes. the tools. You're gonna you're gonna assure them. You're gonna empower them as much as you can. Uh, how do you do that concretely? What here at the Thirst Conference? What can parents do to get that power? Well, first to of fulfill all, their responsibility. Yeah, they have to open themselves to receive everything that Christ has given them here. You know, if this is not just coming here to get like a bunch of pamphlets and factual information. You go home and read it and study it and learn how to be a, a better parent. You have to open your heart to receive it. You know, recognize, okay, here's some, what can we doing? What can we be doing better? I mean, I see what's going on with, with so many parents whose kids, are, whose kids are older. What can I do now while my kids are younger to help them really be in love with Jesus? So some practical things. They may pick up a tip, for example, um, reading the gospel at, at the... Uh, D dining table on sun on like Wednesday before the Sunday mass, so you know just read the gospel for the coming Sunday, and let's talk about what's Jesus doing. Why is this important? So when they go to mass on Sunday, the kids are like, wait a minute, we're, we're, they're not hearing it for the first time, and they're listening to the homily. I wonder if Father's gonna talk about what we talked about. That little few minutes of doing that at, at dinner automatically engages the kids more in in the mass, just like that. You know, so little little things like that. Um, take it and actually incorporate it into your family. Realizing that family nights and family time are just are just as important, even more important than uh, than uh, sports or play practice or other other stuff. One hour a week as a family, one hour, 168 hours in a week, one hour a week dedicated to committed family time, where you're doing something together that doesn't involve device, that doesn't involve television. Just having fun, enjoying each other as a family, living that Eucharistic faith, that joy of the Lord that He's giving us in that sacrament, and allowing that that joy to come out at home, because that's what kids are going to take into their own families one day. Are they going to remember mommy and daddy fighting all the time? Are they going to remember that no one praying together? Are they going to remember family night? You got it. You know, Deacon. One, I'm reading your, your bio here in the Thirst uh, program, and what made me grin and and. I, I, I want to bring this to our listeners. Uh, it's like three or four paragraphs, and the final paragraph is about your family. And it says, it begins, listeners, it, it, for, for Deacon's biography in the program, that, that, that third paragraph begins with most importantly, and it describes that you have a lovely wife and four children. Mm -hmm. uh, in a few minutes before we go to break, uh, Deacon, talk to us about what you do at your home. If, if you can, if you could be vulnerable for a minute. And sure. What, you know, you, you, you've, you've raised four children. You are raising them, and you're married to a lovely wife. What do you guys do? Yeah, so we have two kids in college now. We have twins that are juniors in high school. So all the things I talked about, we did at home. We did family nights. We read the gospel around the table. Like when the kids were small, like introduce them to the rosary. Oh, come on. We had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and newborn twins. You know, and when, <laughs> even when they got old, the twins were two, and the, and the other kids were like five and six. There's no way they're going to sit through a rosary. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So here's what we did. We introduced the mysteries week by week. So, for example, the Joyful ah. Mysteries, Monday, the Annunciation, Tuesday, the Visitation, Wednesday, the Nativity, 
Thursday presentation, Friday fighting Jesus in the temple. And they have to learn their prayers anyway. So our Father, Hail Marys, everybody takes a turn. Then I, I, I reflect at age appropriate. Here's what's happening at the Annunciation. You know, G, you know, God came to Mary. And, I, and then the next day, the next day. And then we do next week the Sorrowful Mysteries. That's terrific. The next week, and just a way of introducing them to, to the rosary. You know, uh, it's little, little things like that make a big difference. That's what we did in our home. What do you do with, with some opposition if, you know, if, you're, if your kids are, you know, ah, Dad, this is boring, or come on, Dad, I don't want to do this. Or, uh, it's funny. Even in my house, that, that happens sometimes, you know. Uh, but, for example, with the, with the uh, kids, they, they've heard me give my talk on the Mass, so they totally get it, you know, about the Mass thing. But sometimes you just still don't want to go. Sometimes has that teenage you know, natural separation from the parents. I don't want to do what my parents do. There's a, lot of natu- there's a lot of that stuff going on. So you have to work through that. So that they can, so what they have to do is we have to pass on the faith to them, and then now they have to accept their faith and make it their own. It's not just mommy and daddy's faith. This is my faith, you know, and make it their own. That's what the, we're trying to do in that transition um, from, you know, just coming to church with us because they have to, because they want to go to church because they want to. You know, uh, that, that's where we're, we're really working on, especially with, we have two kids at college now, like I said, we have the twins at home, and that's what we're working on, on now, really keeping them deeply connected and in love with Jesus Christ. And if my wife and I have to have to show that witness to them, if we don't have a strong marriage ourselves, then we can't possibly hope to have the, the kids have a strong relationship with God. So they have to see the, the intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving communion relationship with God being lived out between the two of us, mom and dad. You know, because when they see that, when they see how I sacrifice um, for my wife and for them, you know, that, that shows them that the power of God's love is real. It's about service and sacrifice. And I, I don't think when I prepare young couples for marriage, I don't think that can be, it, it's impossible to overstate that. And, and I tell young couples that time and time again that your love between one another, how you show each other affection, how you relate with one another, how you speak to one another, that'll go far more than any lesson, any program, any event you take them to. It's that example. Uh, and, and, and I think that's so true. Uh, Deacon? Thanks a lot. Yes, thank you, Father. My prayers are with you today as you bring your message of of evangelization uh, and a call to discipleship to these uh, attendees here at Thirst 2019. I'm your host, Father Hochalter, live from the Bismarck Event Center, Real Presence. It's that encounter with the Real Presence that makes us who we are. We'll be back after this break.